have been in a series all summer long studying the fruit of the Spirit. And we are at our last two weeks now. We have one more week next week. And I don't know about you, but I have really enjoyed studying uh, this topic we've been doing. And so today we come to gentleness. And so here is the verse that we have said for uh, eight weeks now. Let's read it again. Let's read it together. This is a Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we get to look at gentleness today. But before we jump into that, I want to take a moment and just study this word fruit. What is Paul referencing here? Because it's interesting that the Greek word he uses, uh, there's the reference for it. It's a singular noun, which means one fruit, which is interesting because I think often when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, we'll even say it plural. And, you know, we can't, even when there's art depictions of the fruit of the Spirit, we'll be like, okay, this is love, and then this is joy, and you've got all your fruit. It's all a bunch of different fruit of the Spirit. Uh, that, but Paul is very specific in saying that it is one fruit, being described in nine ways. And so rather than thinking of it like a basket of different fruit, think about if you were to have to explain to someone what is an apple like? Let's say someone had never seen an apple, never eaten an apple. What are the words you would use to try to describe what an apple is? So, so there's many words we could use. I would say that um, an apple is sweet, it's speckled, it's tangy, it's juicy, it's crunchy, it's red, sometimes it's green, it's grainy, it's refreshing. There's so many words we could use to try to give someone a correct picture of what an apple is if you've never had it. And that is what this scripture is doing. That is what Paul is doing here when he's trying to describe what the manifestation of a relationship of the Holy Spirit is like. He says, the Holy Spirit is doing one work in us. And that one work, as it grows in us, and as we um, have the Holy Spirit's help to change our character to look like his, Paul is saying that, okay, it, it looks like love, but, but it's patient too, and it's, and it's gentle, and, it's, and it's, it's all these nine different characteristics. So he wasn't naming nine separate things. He was trying to give a scope of exactly what that work looks like, how our character, the one work the Holy Spirit is doing in us when we have a relationship with him, he's like, it looks like these different things. And you can think, okay, well, why is that distinction important? What does it matter if I picture it as separate fruit in my life or if I picture it just as one? Well, there's a couple things I just want to mention of why I think it's important. One is I think that we can kind of assume, like we do with the gifts of the Spirit, we mentioned the gifts for a couple of weeks during this series, we can kind of assume like, well, okay, I'm, I'm good at the joy, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at that peace, and I'm pretty gentle, but, you know, self-control or, you know, patience, eh, not, not my best work. But hey, I got seven out of nine, so it's not too bad, you know, like, those are pretty good odds. So we can kind of compartmentalize them uh, and chalk it up to like, ah, that's just my weak points. Um, but when it comes to the character of Christ in us, His work is manifesting all of these things together. They all grow together. And that's just something I want to emphasize before we move on to gentleness. They are characteristics that work in unison. 
See, Christians don't have a monopoly on these qualities, right? There are many non-believers that are loving, that are patient, that are gentle. This is not like a character trait that you can only have if you're a Christian. Not at all. Many people can pursue these qualities um, based on how you were raised or just in your own efforts. You, know, you can make an effort to be loving and to be kind and to be patient. What helps us recognize that it is actually a reflection, it is um, a sign that you've been spending time with God and God is changing your nature to grow this work in you. The way you can recognize it as a fruit of the Holy Spirit rather than just a natural personality trait is that they work together. You'll find all of them present with one of them. Let me give you just a couple examples of this. Love, the, the spiritual fruit of love that comes from a relationship with Christ is also self-controlled. And so listen, remember, I'm talking to Christians here. So if you're a non-believer, just, just enjoy and listen. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're saying that you are walking in the ways of Christ. Okay, so he says that love is also self-controlled. So if you're, if, if you're uh, living in a relationship and you're just like, I just love him so much, I can't help myself. Well, okay, but that's not love that comes from the nature of Christ. Because love that comes from the character of Christ is also self-controlled. It's also patient. It's all of these things at the same time. Let's look at another example. Okay, let's take self-control, for example. Self-control, if it's the fruit that's coming from a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that we are taking on his nature, self-control then is also joyful. <laughs> Yay! It's full of joy. It's also peaceful. It's, it, you have peace. And so you can look at someone who is super disciplined, like a harsh disciplinarian, harsh disciplinarian or someone that's very self-controlled to take anything in their finances or in their diet and their exercise, like very self-controlled. Very, you, know, you can look at them and be like, oh, well, man, I got to grow. I got to grow that through the spirit of, of self-control. Okay, you may need to grow that. But someone who's tormented in their mind and doesn't have peace unless they do those things, that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You may be very, you might have a lot of self-control because something is driving you, because you can't look in the mirror without condemning yourself if you don't do these things, or you don't feel peace unless you have this amount of money in the bank account and all the, okay, that's fine, great, have all that. But the fruit of self-control that comes from the Spirit comes from growing in relationship with Christ, is joyful, it's peace, it's not formed out of anxiety and fear because what if this happens so we gotta do all these things? It's all of them, you, you see all of it. It's like you're getting a glimpse and you're like, I don't know, am I seeing love? No, no, I think it's patience. Oh no, but it looks like self-control. You're like getting a glimpse, like uh, all around the work that the Holy Spirit is doing you, the one work. Let me give one more example. Let's think about kindness. Kindness without faithfulness is not spiritual kindness. Okay, what do I mean by that? It's like, okay, you can be a kind person. We should be kind people, yes. But if, but if your definition of kindness is not to ever share the gospel, to ever um, hold your Christian brother or sister accountable, you know, the Bible says that we are to hold each other accountable, like, hey, what you're doing there, that's dangerous. Like, we sh I feel like you're, you know, you're not keeping Christ the center of your life. The things that the Bible tells us to do, if we're not faithful to obey God, 
then it's not spiritual kindness, right? If we're like, well, I just don't want to say anything. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to, so I'm just, I'm just being kind. Okay, good. Kindness is good. But the fruit of kindness that manifests in you from a relationship with Christ will also be faithful and it will be patient and it will be gentle. And it's all, so they work together in unison. So if the spirit is growing in you, if you are, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you are growing that and you're spending time with him and you're receiving intimacy with him and it's causing your character to change, they're going to grow together in unison. Um, it's a supernatural thing to see them all working together. It's a beautiful thing. So now let's shift and talk about gentleness specifically because that's what we're supposed to be talking about today. So gentleness, as it's used here in this verse, this is the Greek word that's used here, and it means meekness. Some, some versions will use meekness instead of gentleness. And meekness is a gentle strength. Another understanding of meekness is humility. It's another word that gets used there. So it's a gentle strength. Meekness, which expresses power with reserve and gentleness. Humility that expresses Power with reserve and gentleness. And so gentleness doesn't mean that you just never like speak, the, you're just like walked all over, like I can't say anything, I can't set boundaries, I can't speak my mind or opinion because I have to be gentle. That's not what this means. It means that you express the power that you may have, the boundaries you need to set, what you need to say, whatever it is, but you do that in humility and in gentleness and with reserve. So to understand this better, let's think about Jesus for a minute. Like, let's talk about the heart of God. Because there's a difference between knowing God, like you can know about God, like, okay, I know the Christian doctrines, and I could, like, pass a test if they, they put, if, you, if I passed out papers, you could pass a test on what Christianity is and who God is. There's a difference about knowing about him and knowing the heart of God. Knowing the heart of God for you. Those are two different things. And Dane Ortland is an author, and he uh, described it like this, which was very helpful for me. And he said, you can describe a person, like I could describe my spouse, I could describe David to you if you didn't know him, and I could say, he's 5'11", and 6'1", 6'1", and brown hair, and, and green eyes, and he loves 90s grunge music, and, all, and, and uh, he, he works here, and he went to high school here. I could tell you all the information, I can tell you every vacation we took, I can tell you when we got married, I can give you all the information I can think of to tell you about David. But there's, still, there's a difference between knowing information about him, and then there's like catching eyes at a dinner party across the room, and like a knowing glance, and like the history that's between you, and it's like, oh yeah, like I know what you're thinking right now because that person just said that. And there, you, know, you can do this with a friend too. It doesn't have to just be with a spouse. You're, you're in class with your best friend, your teacher says something, you look at your best friend from ninth grade and it's like, there's a knowing look between you and you're recalling all of your history and difficulties and fun times and inside jokes. There's a difference between knowing all the facts about something and really knowing someone intimately and knowing that person's heart towards you and your heart towards them. And so this is um, what I think is important for us to understand about God before we continue this conversation on gentleness. Charles Spurgeon points out that there, we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's 89 chapters between them. 
And in all those chapters, we learn about the genealogy and the birth and the life of Jesus and the miracles he did and how he treated people. And then we learn about his trial and his death. We know all the information. But there's one verse in all those gospels that Jesus tells us what his heart is towards us. And let's read that together. It's very, very special. In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus gives us in this one moment a glimpse and tells us what his heart is towards us and the words he chooses are lowly and gentle. And when he says lowly, he's not like, oh, I'm the scum of the earth. I'm just such a sucky guy. It means, it means approachable. He's approachable. He's humble. So he says, you want to know what my heart is towards you? It's gentle and it's approachable. And this, when he says, my yoke is easy, it doesn't mean easy like, oh, life's not going to be hard if you become a Christian. Easy means kind. It could be interpreted as kind. He says, my yoke is a yoke of kindness, which is so different than, than what the Pharisees at that time, the teachers at that time were saying. They would say, take the yoke of the law on. That was a saying they would have. So you have to take on the yoke of the law and follow all these rules. And they had added so many other rules to it. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, my heart towards you is gentle and approachable. And I have a yoke of kindness for you and a burden that is light. And so I think maybe the most notable instances of Jesus being gentle can be seen in the last 48 hours of his life. You can see his gentleness all through the Bible, even Old Testament, New Testament, but let's just think really quickly about the last 48 hours of his life and how he was treated and the gentleness and humility with which he approached his final things, his final hours on earth. When Judas came with the Roman soldiers, this is someone, he was someone that Jesus had ministered with, who had been a friend to him, who'd traveled with him, that he, he had opened up to, and Judas in the end decided to betray Jesus, to hand him over to the soldiers for some money, and what does Jesus say? Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Even in that moment, Judas's presumably worst moment, Jesus still called him a friend. There's many verses I could put up, but we're just going to put two of these last uh, little bit of his life. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and they're gambling for his clothes. He's hanging there naked, and they're, they're kind of fighting over who's going to get his clothes, and maybe to sell them and make money or whatever. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to be able to forgive those who have betrayed you or hurt you to a level that you can extend forgiveness. That, that takes a supernatural work in you. Remember, it's not, gentleness is not a quiet demeanor that's always people-pleasing and like, well, okay, I'll never stand up for myself. No, no, no. It is supernatural forgiveness towards others to be able to, in that moment, use restrained power and humility to handle that situation. So it doesn't mean you don't say what needs to be said or do what needs to be done, but you, you have the supernatural strength to enter that situation with humility and a gentle strength for the situation at hand. 
give you an example of something uh, when I was growing up. This story is going to make you think I'm the dumbest person on earth. And it's okay if you think that, because it was pretty uh, ridiculous what I did. But I was learning. I was growing. So I, uh, in my senior year of high school, I saved up that year. I only had one class I had to take, so I worked full time because I wanted to save up because I wanted to live a year uh, with my childhood best friend. It was a dream of ours to live together in college. She was a few years older. She was, she was already in college. She lived in Tallahassee. And so... I said, well, I can, I can do a year of school there and um, we can live together and fulfill this dream. So I saved up enough money to live there for a year without having to work. I had, so I had money for rent and gas and food. Um, and so I got to live there for a year. I actually ended up being able to live with four friends. So we all got together, crammed in this apartment. Uh, okay, so it was the, like the last two weeks of that year and I was gonna move back here to Orlando because I was only there for a year. And I realized that I had like $200 left in my bank account. You know, like had gotten me right to the end. And so I was like, good time to go back home. Uh, so I took out, you know, like 40 bucks, which is all I needed to fill up a Honda Civic at that time to get from Tallahassee back to Orlando. So I was like, okay, I've got my gas money. I'm just gonna use my debit card. And when the money's gone, it'll stop working. Like I'll just, I just won't worry about it. And when it's gone, it's gone. Should I know better at 18? Probably, but you know, you live and learn, and I sure learned. Um, so I'm just like, I've got my gas money, which is all I need. I've got, you know, rice and beans to live on if I have to. So I'm just, you know, living my life still with my friends. And I'm just like swiping, you know, wherever we're going, oh, I'll get whatever. I'm like, boy, this just keeps working. I'm like, man. <laughs> debit card, people. It's like, if there's no money in there, it should not keep, it wasn't a credit card, but okay. And so then at one point, listen, I was full of faith, but very little common sense because at one point, I, 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 this is not an exaggeration. I, th I had this thought. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the loaves and the fish. Like God is just like extending my money. I truly believed that. Okay. So I had lots of faith, but no, no, no street smarts or just practical smarts. That's not even street smarts. That's just like survival. Uh, and so, so then like more days go by and I'm like, gosh, it's just, so I thought, okay, maybe my parents or my older siblings deposited some money in my account for me. Never in their life had they done this, but I thought maybe, you know, uh, just, oh, let's give her some cash, you know. And so I checked my account quickly and I was like, boy, there's $400 in there. How did that happen? I was like, sweet, let's keep going. They must have deposited something. I didn't notice or realize that red 400 uh, is different than black 400. <laughs> Uh, so I just kept going. I was like, they gave me money. I'm like, oh, my family's so nice. My last week here, you know, they, they care about me. So I just uh, swipe it. I don't even know we were buying nothing. It was like $3 tacos. That was a $40 charge every time for not having, you know, NSF means not sufficient funds for those of you still in middle school right now. Let me help you with that now. It's not like, that's not good money coming in. That's bad. So a few days later, I'm like, this is crazy. Let me look. And then it was at 800. And I'm like, who is giving me money? And so I'm like, I got to figure this out because this is just like, man, it's just. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, let me scroll back and see. And I'm like, first of all, they are red. That used to be black. And then I realized, okay. And I felt appropriately so stupid. Okay, I was so embarrassed. So I really, okay, so let's fast forward to being home. And um, I had to go, you know, pay the bank back. And so I w was in the bank with my dad and the, the bank lady's like, okay, you owe, you know, it was between 800 and 1,000, I can't remember. So my dad <laughs> writes a check. 
hands it to the banker. We get in his truck to come home. Now, I have not said a word. Now, the appropriate thing to do would be like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, so sorry. But listen, if you don't know me well, let me just give you a glimpse of my personality. I'm a rule follower. Like, I'm not someone who likes to play like fast and loose and like, ha ha, let's do it till they tell us no. I'm like foreseeing the no coming and I'm like, we're out of here. I'm a rule follower. So I was absolutely, first of all, mortified, so embarrassed, humiliated. I felt like such an idiot. So I was just like not saying anything, although I should have been saying thank you because I was on the verge of tears. So we're driving home and my dad's like, okay, okay, I got to ask. I just got to ask. He's like, do, do, do you care about what's happening here? Like you have not said anything, which is a very appropriate question to ask when he's just bailed me out and I have not said anything. That's all I needed. The floodgates opened. I just got, I was like, I know, I'm the worst. I'm like, and I'm just like, it's all spilling out. I'm like, I'm a burden to you, and you'll never forgive me. I can never be trusted. I'm an idiot. You know, just like, it all comes out. I'm so sorry, I'll never be able to pay you back. It's so much money. And so, of course, once I'm crying, he's like, the, I'm going to say typical dad thing. Maybe you're a dad that's really in touch with emotions and feelings. You go, you. But <laughs> keep on that path. Keep on that journey. That's a good journey. But once I was like crying, he's just, this is the, he's just, this is him patting my leg. He's just like, okay, 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 giant cup of whatever you put in there. He comes in the car, hands me the big gulp, and we never spoke of it again. That was it. Okay, and I, know I don't have time to go into the significance of what a big gulp represented, but let me just say, as a kid in my family, you didn't get nothing but water. Like, and not even like my girls, my girls have these fancy bottles that we refill. It was, it was just like, find a hose wherever we are and you'll survive. Drink, you know, lap your hands up. You know, we didn't get to buy drinks. We drank water wherever we went. We had to find it to survive. So him giving me this big gulp, I mean, I knew what it meant. I mean, he forgave me and it was all good. And now why he doesn't use words, I don't know. <laughs> but, but I knew what it meant. Okay, and my point in saying this, <laughs> my point in saying this story is I did not need to be screamed at or shamed. I felt like such a loser. I felt so stupid because it was foolish. I, I didn't know. And I felt so dumb. And I'm very grateful that my parents didn't berate me for that mistake. Because for my particular personality, that would have, I know without a doubt, that would have made me afraid of future failure. Like, oh gosh, I can't mess up again. I can't be so stupid again. And so, instead of being shamed or berated or like really fussed at, when I failed, when I made a mistake, I was met with gentleness. Not a pass, I had to pay him back. <laughs> So I, paid, I got a job and I paid them back. And, but I do want to make note that it was never spoken of again. Not once that I can remember. My mom never even said a word when I came in the room after, with the red eyes, snotty nose, a big gulp. She's just like, okay. <laughs> never. 
They never spoke of it again. When I went out with my friends, which I'm sure I did the very next weekend after moving back, it wasn't like, hope you got money in there. You know, don't go. I wasn't teased about the color red for the next 10 years ruthlessly. I was met with gentleness. And I want to tell you today that God has gentleness for you. He is here to meet you with the same kind of gentleness. So it doesn't matter how you've messed up, what you've done, even if you knew better. I knew better. I've, I've been raised in the church or what? It doesn't matter. If you are here today, Jesus is approachable and he's gentle and he'll draw near to you and he just says, come back into the house. I messed up. I had to, I had to pay them back. There was natural consequences for my mistake, but I didn't have to like sleep in the street until I paid the bill back. And so if you're here today, know that if you accept Christ, if you repent, then you've got a dad sitting next to you in the bank. And when the banker says, you owe this much, you've got a dad that writes a check. And that's covering it. Now, you say, what about holiness? Doesn't God care about holiness? He does care about holiness. The Bible talks about holiness more than love. But listen, Jesus atoned. (laughs) He atoned. For it. So if you accept him, if you repent and, and um, accept what he has done, he writes the check for you and it's done. And so if you uh, have not received a gentle savior into your life, then it's going to be challenging for you to treat others with gentleness. It's going to be harder to extend that gentleness uh, to others. And so maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you need to approach the approachable savior who will receive you with open arms and write that check for you. Or if you're a Christian, you're like, well, what's my excuse? (laughs) Because I am a Christian and I still struggle with gentleness. So what am I gonna do? So I'm just gonna end with three quick things here. If you struggle to respond with gentleness as a Christian, you gotta spend time with God. And that, this feels like such a cop-out answer, like, oh, yeah, you have to say spend time with God. But, I, but I'm serious here. There's no cliff notes for intimacy. That intimacy I was talking about, that knowing look of the friend across the room, like, you know, I know. Yeah. You can't have that shared history intimacy thing with a Savior you haven't spent time with. You have to spend time with him. And as you spend time with him, he changes your nature. You get to have his character. That fruit, that, that work is going to grow. And gentleness will grow and you can ask him, God, help me to be more gentle. Secondly, ask, ask for help. Ask If you're married, you can ask your spouse. If you're single, you can ask a friend. You can ask, a, if you're brave, you can ask a parent. Um, to gently... Gently point out when you are being proud, critical, or harsh. And I don't mean in the moment, be like, but like you can even have a signal like, you know, whatever it is. But ask someone, say, you know what? Sometimes I can't hear. I'm so in the moment and I don't realize that the way I'm responding, I don't realize it's coming off so harsh. Or I don't realize I'm coming off so proud. Like my way is the right way and your idea is dumb. So can you point it out to me when I've done that? And when they do... You need to ask forgiveness for whoever you were harsh with or did not extend gentleness to. Because being a Christian isn't about like, I'm perfect. That's so hypocritical. It's about repenting and, and being able to admit that we're wrong and we need a savior. And lastly, share your testimony. 
And I don't mean the testimony where you like got the guy in the house and the kids and it's like whoop whoop. I mean the pit. Where were you in the pit? Where were you in the banker seat with them waving that bill in your face and you were like, because we have to pursue humility by remembering Christ's gentleness towards us. Because when I remember what I was like, how uh, you know, insecure I was, how addicted I was, whatever, then it, then it helps my heart change and remember, you know what, who am I? to come into this situation, high and mighty, acting like I got it all down, I know the best, your idea is stupid. God help us, we need to remind ourselves, even if you're just having to tell yourself over and over, remember, remember where you were when God found you. Remember the price he paid for my specific sin. We have to pursue um, humility. This was years ago in our small group, and we were talking about something. I think we were talking about, like, man, how do we pray for and win, you know, people that are, that are struggling, that, that come to church but haven't really maybe really given their life to Christ and are in and out, in and out. And someone in our group was like, yeah, it's so frustrating. It's just like, ah, oh, it just, like, frustrates me so much. And then as we kept talking, <laughs> 10 minutes later, he'd come full circle, and he's like, that was me. And he was crying, weeping. He's like, I was that person. I was that person. And it took years of people being patient with me for me to get it. And it was like in a matter of 15 minutes, he went from like, oh, it's so annoying to like, oh my gosh, I was that person. And so we have to remind ourselves what God has saved us from. Let's stand and pray today. There were so many verses that, that spoke on gentleness and every one of them is in reference to how we are to talk and deal and treat other people. And so we didn't have time to go over them today, but do this in your devotional time, do this in your small group, and these aren't even all of them. But over and over and over in the New Testament, we are instructed to treat people, deal with people, speak to people with gentleness. Gentleness. If you're someone that really struggles with the fear of failure, I'm not trying to make this huge connection that it's like, because you couldn't fail as a kid, I don't, that may be the case, but I want to pray for you today, as well as those that need um, God to remind them of where they came from so that you can respond with gentleness. But if, you, if there's something holding you back because you're like, man, if I mess up, I'm going to have it coming. I'm, I'm asking the Lord today to remove that fear of failure from you. That if God asks you to step out in faith, if he's telling you to, that you would trust him and that you would know but even if you don't do it perfectly, even if it doesn't work out, he's right there with you to give you a big gulp in the car. <laughs> oh, better luck, we'll try again next time. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you allow us to be in relationship with you. That is wild, really is wild. That the creator God would allow us, the creation, to be in a relationship with you, to know your heart, 
to, to be able to have intimacy with you, to have a knowing glance across the room and, and, and have a relationship that's something we can, that's personal. God, I pray that as we seek you, as we spend time with you, that you would help that fruit, that working of the Holy Spirit to grow, 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 grow in us that we would see that our character more and more is looking like your character. That when we're in a situation at work or with our families or wherever we are, when we go to respond, when we go to react, when we make a decision, we would be acting in a way that is displaying a mixture of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Thank you, God, that you take us back every time. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that we can have your nature. In Jesus' name, amen.